Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Read. Junk. Podcast. Read the podcast with your host, my guy. What's up, everyone? It's the Read Junk Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Kremko. Back with a new episode, this time with my buddy Steve Bauer, who writes for the site from time to time. We talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame Warp Tour exhibit, which Steve visited, and uh, I have two of my photos were uh, hung up there, so he got to see them in person. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I decided to go to Disney World instead. So we talk about that for a little bit, you know, reminiscing about the Warp Tour, and, and then we talk about our punk and ska influences. Since I was kind of doing that on Instagram uh, lately, we, f- we figured that would be a good topic of discussion. So we talk about what bands and albums and just songs that got us into punk and ska. And uh, and then like just kind of talked about like college radio a little bit and how things used to be back in the day of trying to f- discover new music. It was a fun chat. Definitely could have talked for another hour and a half or so. <laughs> Um, Before the episode starts, be sure to check out Rejunk.com for news, reviews, and other stuff like that. Follow us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram. I've been doing a lot of resharing on Facebook lately just because it's like I'm just too lazy to post things on the actual website, so I just reshare. So just make sure that you like Rejunk on Facebook and Instagram as well. Plus, I've been doing a lot of shirts lately, designing a lot. That's what I've been mainly focusing on. So uh, it's getting to be the busy season of the holidays. So that's why I've been just cranked up my shirt design making. And uh, definitely check it out on TeePublic. TeePublic.com slash user slash Brian Kremko. I got like pop culture kind of stuff, TV, music, political, all types of different t-shirts. Something something for everybody. Um, there's a lot of sales going on right now, but I, I would definitely recommend buying something when there's something on sale because it's, you're saving like 35% off. Okay, enough of that whoring of that. Uh, if you aren't already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. You can listen to it on YouTube as well. Um, wherever you can get podcasts, pretty much. I'm going to try to do more episodes soon. Um, just have to schedule a bunch. But I'm going to be trying to get a lot more episodes in, uh, I don't know how many per month, but we'll, we'll see what happens. It mainly comes down to me. But if you have something that you want us to discuss on the show, uh, like Disney Plus reviews or more music reviews or talking about TV and geeky kind of things, just let us know. I'll, I'll gladly talk about that kind of stuff with somebody. Uh, it's going to line up the guests. In a way, I kind of prefer those type of shows, like radio type shows, as opposed to just like one-on-one interviews sometimes, because I had to come up with all those interview questions. But um, yeah, so let me know. So let's get started. This is Steve and I talking about War Tour exhibit at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and our ska and punk influences right here on the Rejunk Podcast. <laughs> All right, so I'm here talking with Steve. Uh, you used to write for the website, not as much as you used to. Uh, <laughs> yeah, laziness has set in, uh, as well as adult life. <laughs> yeah, adult life, day jobs. 
I hear, yeah. I hear you. I'm I'm in the same boat half the time. So, um, but yeah, we today we wanted to talk about the the Warp Tour exhibit at at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame since I never got a chance to go there, and we wanted to pretty much just go over our ska and punk influences. Um, so, I guess. How was the Rock and Roll Hall Hall of Fame? I I, I was tr- I wanted to get there since I had one of, uh, actually had two of my photos there, um, but I just it was either that or Disney World, and I picked Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh well, thankfully it's in my backyard, so uh, it it's really surreal to see a Warped Tour exhibit in the Rock Hall. It's you know it's one of the two times in my life I think when I've really felt super old. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as the exhibit was good, I think it was really, really well done. I think, um, the big thing that I noticed just living, it was capturing all of the different eras of the warp tour. And it's kind of crazy. Like you have this, you know, initial wave probably from the start of it till around 2000 and then like this, like 2000 to probably mid mid two thousands. And then this latter day warp tour, um, and I think it did a good job of capturing everything. Um, you know, obviously your pictures with uh, of Aaron Barrett with Real Big Fish and Jay Bentley of Bad Religion does a great job capturing that first uh, part of it. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the the one photo of Jay was that was one of my first warp tours of shooting it, so it wasn't the the best photo. I'm I'm surprised that they wanted to use it, but hey, it's they they had for people that don't know they had they they got. I guess Jay kept his pajamas that he wore on stage all those years. Um, he told me, I guess on Instagram that it was, uh, that he kept it in the, what's it in like a locker or like a, um, like one of the storage units. And, uh, so, so when he was looking for things, he found that. And then, so then I don't know, the rock and roll hall of fame reached out to me and got some, uh, they wanted to use some photos. So they picked out these, shitty photos that I took but I mean <laughs> at least it captured the, the moment <laughs> what year was that um I think it's probably 90 I'm gonna, I'm gonna say 98 that sounds right yeah I remember them being on that one I mean that was a great year for warp tour I mean just the I mean it's it's one of those things you look back on it's like I can't believe they got all those bands at that time and even when you look at the second stage I mean, in the D.C. area, we had like the amazing Royal Crowns, Hepcat Pie Tasters. I mean, it was just like a murderer's row on the second stage. It was just a good eclectic mix of ska punk, some reggae, and then maybe one or two mainstream acts and stuff like that. But it was like that that error was the best of the Warped Tour. And it's like anything after that, it just it felt like a disappointment every year. Yeah, I mean, I went anyway. Oh, no, totally. I went, what is this, 2019 now? I went about six years ago, um, and I felt completely out of place. It was, you know, Real Big Fish, Big D and the Kids Table played. Um, They were incredible. I saw Motion City Soundtrack, and they were awesome. But, you know, know, that's one of those times I really felt like, wow, like, you know, our era really captured something – at that time from in the late nineties, early two thousands. And, you know, I don't want to sound old man when I was like 20 and say like, Oh, the old days, but at the same time, you know, it, (laughs) yeah. 
at the same time, those bands at that, you know, I, I just remember that first warp that I went to. I mean, it was rancid specials, you know, deftones. I mean, your, your mainstream act was like, say Ferris who played like fourth. Yeah. I think, I know it's like, I don't know if for our, our one or the one that was at Randall's Island, it was like kid rock or maybe that was later. <laughs> and I was no, like, who the it, fuck is this? <laughs> it definitely, it definitely was kid rock. And then I feel like, like after Kid Rock played, I want to say like either Far or Quicksand, one of those kind of post-hardcore bands played, and it was just mm. this weird juxtaposition. Okay. Um, just on a side note, that your cat ran through the screen, and then now you, you I, I can't see you. <laughs> oh. There we go. She did. I had to uh, pick her up and put her on the floor. She's a. Uh, I, we have two cats. One of them sleeping very soundly in the bed, and she's like, wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so that, and so then the other photo that, um, so the first photo that they wanted to use was the one of Jay when his pajamas are from from Bad Religion, and then the second one was, um, which was like a, like a couple weeks afterwards after going going back and forth with Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, they wanted they, they I guess they were using a um, one of Aaron's guitars and I think it was from 2013 ish. OK, it, it was like a blue Hawaiian kind of style. And so it wasn't at a warp tour, but it was at a like one of their headline shows. So I had one of that. I had one of their photos. So that was a better nice. photo. But um, yeah, it was kind of cool nice. to have two photos and it just sucked that I couldn't get there. I think the exhibit just closed <laughs> recently, I think. Or is about it to. Did, it did. Um, there's a new exhibit that's opening in a couple weeks. Um, but uh, but no, I mean the exhibit overall was great though. It's Emo, uh, through the years. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> I mean when you get to the latter half of things, it definitely is that. I mean starting in that like mid 2000s period. But yeah. you know they definitely did a great job of like you know capturing what it was and you know people's opinions of Warped Tour for better for worse like. You know, definitely for a certain sect of kids and for a certain generation, I mean, it definitely demarcated this like time and place. So, I mean, as you walk through the exhibit, what is it like the first thing that you see uh, there? Is it like the er like the first year of Warp Tour? Uh, no, actually, um, it's the way they did it really wasn't chronological. It was kind of it almost looked like what they had so it, oh, okay. you know there was a uh, uh there was a dress from Haley williams of paramore there was jay's pajamas there was you know definitely a number of instruments um that were there as well you know you noted aaron's uh aaron's guitar i think there was a few drum heads and stuff like that mm. but um you know a lot of there was kind of this central part of the exhibit and in it it was a lot of like you know, a photo here, kind of a press photo pass there. And that was the craziest thing because there were things in the exhibit that I have in my own collection. It's like, oh, there's the program from 2002. And it's like, you know, just encased in, you know, plastic there for everyone to see in the rock hall. So, um, you know, if they ever if they ever want a copy, they can have an extra one of mine. But yeah. uh, I mean, I'm sure there's would have been some stuff that I had over the years. Like I, I remember like getting the real big fish, like three song 
a cassette demo tape that I got that the, at Warped Tour '96. And so I'm at, oh, yeah. but I mean, I, I, I sold all the stuff in eBay. <laughs> it's like, I need money. Right. So it's like, I saw all these posters and all this kind of stuff. That was, yeah, that was so, my first warp Tour though. It was 1996 at Action Park. So, uh, yeah. at amusement park. So it was kind of cool. Is it, was it at like the Action Park with like the death defying rides? Yes, it was that, that was there. Um, <laughs> it was, so it's like you would, so it was, it was the only time they had it at that one. And, um, and you can do the rides and then you can do the warp tour. So we did, so we did, we did both. And then it was so <laughs> one minute you're looking over and I'm all of a sudden I see Angelo and fat Mike and no effects and everyone. And I think guys from the figs were all going on a ride that I was going on too. So it was kind of surreal. That's awesome. Yeah. I just remember Angelo's ass was hanging out cause he had like his overalls, but he didn't have like any <laughs> underwear on and I just <laughs> It's like one of those class. Vivid, yeah, vivid like memories. Yeah. And, Classic Fishbone. Yeah, and I remember I I remember not seeing Fishbone. I, I think it, they were playing on they were playing too late. And then the same thing for like no effects and then I think I saw Dancehall Crashers and mm-hmm. and uh, I'm trying to think of who the other band was that I really wanted to see. I remember seeing Blink Windy too the first time and they were playing that little tiny dinky trailer stage. Yeah. And then it's like the next, and then the next year they're playing this huge main stage. It was just kind of funny to see the progression of them. It is crazy. I mean, there were a lot of bands that kind of grew up and grew around that, but I mean, it was also, I mean, the one thing that was cool as well is that the bands that played over and over again. So like, you know, you're less than Jake's real big fish. Um, Pennywise. Exactly. I mean, they definitely gave, there's definitely an area for kind of each of those bands, which was, which was great because they, they're so much a part of the DNA of that whole tour. And I think the reason why we wanted to go, go to that warp tours the Boston's were supposed to be playing and back then we didn't really have like internet that would tell you who yeah. was playing what is you know that's when i just started my website practically back was in 96 97 and but i we didn't know and we and because Boston's played the new york city date but they didn't play the asbury or not asbury, um the vernon new jersey date so we get there and Boston's aren't playing we're like shit <laughs> so, oh. so like oh. that's that's a bummer yeah so that's what yeah that was gonna... always yeah that was always the thing you to get jealous of is when they did switch up those tour dates it was like oh why does that city get that band and we get yes. somebody who is less exciting to us <laughs> yeah i mean so you were you're, you're the cleveland scene so i mean how was that compared to the you know new york city so, so here's what's interesting. I grew up in the D.C. area. So oh, the okay. first one I went to was in D.C. And that was just incredible. I mean, like I vi- so vividly mem- remember that day. I mean, like the first band that played it was the Smooths. And like right after that, it was like the Smooths to like U.S. Bombs to the Aquabats. To- that was 98, right? Or 98. Yeah. yeah. 98. Yeah. To like say Ferris and. I mean, and then, like I said, I mean, on the side stage, there was just like Hepcat played and the Pie Tasters because it was a local DC show they played. And that was awesome. And then um, a couple years later, uh, I went to school in Pittsburgh and lived in Pittsburgh for about 10 years. And I went to it twice there. And again, it was like, you know, there's actually a scene in the in the NoFX um, 
the the VHS tape they put out years and years ago of Fat Mike outside of a club in Pittsburgh, and he would always like give nods to that. So one year I saw No Effects play in Pittsburgh. The next year it was me first in the Gimme Gimmies, and he would you know call out things. And you know Anti Flag were just I mean they lived there, they were just fixtures there. So I mean it was pretty incredible, and you know no matter what city. So I, I've sought in those two cities. And then I also went to it in Cleveland a few years ago. And, you know, there's definitely like a very familial aspect to the whole thing. And I think that's, you know, that was great. And, you know, even when I was going a kid, when I was 18 to, you know, literally, you know, another lifetime later when I was, you know, in my mid thirties, it's just like you go from being the kid to kind of being the elder statesman there, even at, you know, 36, but yeah. Um, but it's, it, you know, it gives you that different lens to see it all through. And it, it didn't make me appreciate those like early years as well. Yeah. I mean, I have had plenty, I mean, I, looking back at, of all the years I, that I've reviewed war tour and how much bitching I d- just did about it. It was like every year was just a bitch fest. So, I mean, it's yeah. like, but it's, and it's now in the podcast, this is like my third or fourth time talking about war tour. So it's, I guess it's, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know. just like talking about it and it says it's good memories when you think about it. It's yeah. good, good and bad. Um, unfortunately I was, just, I didn't go to the Atlantic city one this year. I'm kind of glad I didn't yeah. for the first one because I think the first day, cause it got like rained out a lot of the time. So, yeah, I was going to go to the Cleveland. It wasn't even a real date, so to speak. I know they were calling it Warp Tour, but really it was for the exhibit opening. Yeah. And I looked at the lineup and it just wasn't for me. And I, you know, it was, it was like, like six hey. bands or something. And it was like, yeah, I was pissed off about it in Cleveland. <laughs> like, well, at least he got yeah. something. But it was just kind of yeah. like a highlight of what to expect at the it, other two better ones. It, but classic warp tour, like at the last minute, they added the slackers and it was like, damn it, like this is sold out already. I would have totally gone just to see the slackers and you but know. But then it's a whole argument of like, you know, well, do you go see the slackers again when they just headline instead, you know? Exactly. That's what the whole exactly. argument of warp tour is like, well, do you like do do you really want to see these bands, like five or six bands and they only play a half hour, you know, kind of thing? <laughs> But I mean, but it it gave me great opportunities to see bands I never saw before, like Royal Crown Review and this, like you mentioned, the Smooths. I did, I don't remember seeing them ever again. And and yeah, at the time, Aquabats, like a lot of bands, like I didn't see they they wouldn't either they wouldn't come and headline or they just would do the Warp Tour every year. So it it was always amazing the bands that surprised me too. And the there's one that sticks out and. People can make fun of me for this all they want. But, you know, I was walking by and you get that band that just like captures your attention. And it was Andrew WK. <laughs> and I was just like, it, and it was just like this, like, you know, like if he were a, you know, if he were a preacher, we would all be, you know, worshiping him. Cause it was like one of those just experiences where it was just such a fun, like uplifting time. And it's like, I would have never thought, in a million, I would have never gone to an Andrew WK show by myself in a million years. And then like a few months later, I saw it again, like thinking like, Oh, was that a fluke? And it's like, no, he's, he's pretty good. Live. He's, that's, like, he's got skinheads in his band. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and also a guy who kind of reminds me of Paul Stanley from kiss, but wears Hawaiian shirts. So it's, you know, just this everything. <laughs> 
yeah, I think I went to a Wolf Tour when he played, but I don't know if I really stayed. I remember it was like Black Eyed Peas played, and that was kind of like, eh, and then like the only like yeah. the only like hip hop band I really liked um, for Warp Tour was Jurassic Five, and like that was like the one that's like they, you know, were just true like it's just a good rap group, and I don't know the other ones is like they just threw on just because it was the the popular thing to do at the time, or like. Katy Perry, I remember when she just blew up, like they put her on and that was like 2008, I think. And, uh, yeah, I remember like Green Day and I, I wasn't a fan of Green Day back in the day, but you know, like now I am, but back, back when they played Warped Tour, I was like, oh, get the fuck out of here. Like, this is supposed to be like a smaller kind of band kind of tour. And well, that was the funny thing about like when I remember when Green Day played, and it was almost like, what the hell is Green Day doing on Warp Tour? And that was like, I yeah, feel like they, they had it. like, <laughs> yeah, well, it was like, but it was like pre-American idiot. And it was that time. It's like, is Green Day really going to make it? Are they going to, is the, are they going to be, you know, a Warp Tour band now? And then, you know, a couple years later, American Idiot came out and everything changed again. But it, it was one of those, like, one year, like, I remember, like, Weezer played. And I know they didn't play any dates around any of the cities that I lived in. But it was another one of those where it's like, like, you guys were gigantic. And I don't know. I think there's just something about the atmosphere and all the people. Like, you you talked about Jurassic 5 there for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like their vibe just totally vibed with what was going on at Warp Tour. I mean, even though like they were egos. Yeah, they didn't have, like, the egos. Exactly. Like, they had DJs in the band. They had, I don't know if they had guys that played instruments. Or maybe I'm thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of The Roots. The Roots were another band that kind of fit with the Warp Tour mm-hmm. a bit. Totally. Um but yeah, like those two bands were like the ones I can think of. And then they had Eminem, which I remember Dropkick Murphy's getting fights with them and <laughs> oh my God, throwing shit out of them. Yeah. It's so funny you bring that up. I found this like MTV clip of Warp Tour. I've, I feel like it was a 97. And like, this is just like, you know, they, you know, Dickie from the Boston's is kind of walking everyone through it. And like he they walk by sick of it all and like real big fish is in it and social D and the descendants played that year. But then all of a sudden it takes this bananas pivot to Sugar Ray and Limp Biscuit, And it's like, what the you know, and looking back on it now, it's like, you know, there's definitely payola in there because <laughs> it's like there's no way like you're featuring all these seminal like hardcore punk ska bands and then all of a sudden it's like Mark McGrath and Fred Durst and it's like yeah hey I just saw uh, that guy back at Epcot last month <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> and I'm like oh the one song I like when it's over they were playing as I was walking by before Illuminations or, or- was it Illumination? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, so it was like funny seeing Sugar Ray playing Epcot. <laughs> and I, you were like, yeah, I got the one song. That was cool. Yeah, um. that's the one song I like. <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, I remember the, those those cheesy like MTV kind of like Warped Tour, like almost like infomercials in a way. Yeah. Do you remember on MTV, they had like when they used to have Lollapalooza, they would do like those, they would play like the entire concerts there too and that was great seeing, oh yeah like i remember seeing the Boston's on mtv and playing that and totally and, um the other bands that i can can't think of that played Lollapalooza, maybe the ramones um chili peppers or something 
But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I used to like all those back when MTV used to be very music related. Yeah, wouldn't play music at all. <laughs> I, I feel like they can like just rebrand and capitalize on like just be like a YouTube station. But I don't know. There's like so much like music related things they can do, but they still just have the same shit on. Well, the thing that gets me about it the most, and this is like the comparison I always make about it is like, it's music television. I want to go to a TV station and you know, I like the news, the music news stuff as much as the videos and everything else. Like if it's music adjacent, fantastic. But like, if like they all of a sudden stopped doing like food stuff on the food network or stopped featuring homes on like HGTV, people would revolt. And it's like, it's like, why can't we get a decent music television station? Even if it's just something for us to bitch about, like just give us something. Yeah, I mean, like, have Indie Hour, have bring back head, Headbangers Ball, have back the 120 Minutes, like, bring this stuff totally. back. And like, people are, in, or like, the, the amount of times that I've talked about this on the, podca- on the podcast, it's like, people are kind of craving something like that again. And uh, I don't know, I just feel like they're, they're dropping the ball here, like, like usual. Mm. <laughs> totally. We'll start, we'll start our own on YouTube. And- yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I think that's that's what's gonna. I mean, that's what's gonna happen eventually. If someone's just gonna do it, and I mean, who knows with all of the uh, new streaming, everything. Maybe there'll finally be a music streaming channel that's you know not just like the jukebox that's free on the nine thousand channels on AT and T. Yeah, and I mean, it's like people people are still craving music videos and people are still making them and spending money into that. You think they would focus on that even like, even, I I mean, I I don't remember the last time I'm watching MTV, but I figured it's still like just reality TV kind of crap. I don't know. Yeah. But we went on a weird tangent here. MTV was totally, let's, let's circle back around to, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So, I mean, what other what other things kind of stood out as far as the exhibit? Um, you know, I think the it, it was nice to have the celebration of what um, what Warp Tour was, the different moments that people were able to have, and you know, and like I said, I mean, there was the the exhibits themselves. It was one of those pieces where. I kind of got through my bands and was looking at the other bands and I'm like, okay, like I know that band's name, like that band's called we, the Kings or that band's called, you know, falling in reverse. But it's, um, what was the more bizarre thing to me about that is like, these are bands from like six years ago and it, um, you know, as they go through the retrospective, that's definitely important to a certain era of people. Um, but I think as, you know, the exhibit itself was concerned. Um, it, it was one of those things where it gave you this good sense of feeling nostalgic. It gave you this good sense of, you know, Oh, after we left it, you know, it never went away. The kids picked it up. Like maybe I'm not into these bands that I, I just named, but you know, here's like somebody's shoes. Here's somebody's uh, guitar pick. Um, you know, here's somebody's, uh, all their laminates from, uh, certain years. And I think, you know, it, it, in a way was 
kind of a humble exhibit, just kind of like Warp Tour was. I mean, it was when you went there, you had all the, you know, you had the booths and everything like that. But really, it was just, I mean, literally, it was bands playing on the back of a truck. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think in a, in a way, like the exhibit kind of reflected, uh, you know, the band's back on a truck thing where it's like, oh, here's someone's, you know, here's someone's clothes, here's someone's instrument, here's, you know, some stuff that someone kind of left lying around. And, you was know, the exhibit under- was well was done. It was underwear. <laughs> um, I didn't, I don't remember if there was any underwear. Um, there should have been, but, there should have been the shorts that Warren uh, from the Vandals wore because he would always wear them and hike them oh, up. T- <laughs> Totally. It's, uh, I mean, the, the, the thing is that I will say about it is every piece of clothing was like, thank God it was encased behind glass because it, it just, it just looked smelly and, um, it looked smelly and it also looked like brittle. Like, you know, like if it was Jay's pajamas, it's like, yeah, he put those away in some crate, like, you know, 15 years ago, they've been sitting there since then. And who knows what kind of, Dead skin, sweat, Ugh. blood. Just on one tears. One day alone at Warp Tour of how hot it could right. be. It like the stench. It's, oh yeah. It's like, oh, here's your here's your clothespin as you walk through the exhibit. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's uh it's um but you know, the one thing that did strike me about it, and you know, it was a little bit smaller than I wanted it to be. And you know, I've been to the Rock Hall a number of times. I'm you know I'm a member there because they have a lot of cool events and, you know, bring in a lot of people. But, um, you know, it it was definitely kind of in an outcove. And, you know, there, while there was stuff there, it wasn't kind of the sprawling exhibit that I hoped it would mm. be. Um, but so that was it was a little bit of a bum out because you kind of do like a circle around the room and it's like, OK, like, I mean, like that was cool. So I made the right de- and then, decision to go into Walt Disney World instead of Rock uh, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, look at some smelly sneakers from five years ago yeah. or fly on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. yeah. And, and no offense, yeah. like Cleveland, Mike. All right. What else can I do there? <laughs> It's, uh, you know, we've lived here for about seven years now. It's, uh, I mean, there's more here to do than I thought, but you know, knowing where you live in New York city, I mean, you, you definitely, you definitely went in the things to do department. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, I mean, so overall you think you enjoyed it, but it, it was too small. I mean, it's oh, no, totally. nothing they can fix now since it's over, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely it was cool to see. It was cool to give it a moment, but um I had, you know, definitely wished there was a little bit more there and um you know, because there was a nice story that it was kind of weaving through it as well, and it would just being able to flush that out a little bit more would have been great. Mhm. Well, oh well. <laughs> it sounded cool. I mean, I I, I definitely if I um if I wasn't planning on going to, uh, if I wasn't going to Disney World, I probably would have tried to make <laughs> make an attempt to come over. I was like trying to think of like, oh, should I go to Chicago and then drive over, kind of thing? Because I've never been to Chicago long, either. But it's a long drive. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, was it like it's, uh, three or four hours? Yeah, it's about yeah, it's about four four and a half maybe. Oh, um, okay. 
Yeah, I don't think you by not attending, I don't think you other than like, you know, getting to see your work in this museum, which yeah. is I mean, that that's that was like even them not being my pictures and, you know, having written for the site. It's like, oh, look at, you know, look what, look what happened. Look what look yeah. what Brian did. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't get paid for it. <laughs> I would have gotten free admission. That was ooh, but I was like, well, oh, well, they gave me, they gave me. Uh, that's not true. They gave me a couple, couple hundred for uh, the tickets for the Warp Tour. But I was like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I got some money for it. But did they give you like a plaque or anything or some sort of like recognition? Oh, like, sorry. Wait, I'm getting confused. I think Warp Tour. They wanted to use my. They they gave me tickets. Okay. The, the Warp Tour, the actual Warp Tour people gave me tickets and some money for using my photos on social media. But the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they were going to give me just free admission. But no, that was, see, that was it. That was like no plaque or anything. It's just like, hey, can we use your photo? And it's like, and it's, and it's, I'm kind of like at the point now where it's like, all right, no one's going to see like just for credit of my name, you know, besides other photographers. So I was like kind of hesitant at first and then. Everyone's like, come on. And it's just like, get this. And then it's like, you have bragging rights saying that you had your, something hanging up at the Rock and Roll so, Hall of Fame. So I'm like, all right, totally. I'll do it. But other times it's like, no, fuck off. Pay me. I, think, <laughs> I don't care if it's $20. Pay me. <laughs> right. Right. Um, all right. So we wanted to. I was kind of posting this on Instagram uh, just to. to to do post something i guess because i've been running out of ideas but i was kind of doing like my top 10 like punk influences of songs over the years that kind of kind of was like listening to so you kind of wanted to discuss some of that and talk about our punk influences and then i guess go we can do scott and stuff like that too um did you make like a any type of list or I did make a list. This is the uh, the organized nature of myself. But uh, I had a question for you before yeah. I jumped in any of my stuff. So, um, what like around what time? What year did you get into punk? I don't. I can't pigeonhole what day. What like what year it was because it was like I I was listening to the Ramones probably mm-hmm. the first the first of that, and that was probably back back in like their the the late 80s i would think i was probably like in like mm-hmm. fourth or fifth grade because i had my old my older brother was four grades ahead of me so he was the one that like okay. got him and his friends would have, would make mixtapes uh mixtapes and so i would listen to that stuff so I, I definitely the ramones would be the first but i didn't think of the ramones as like a punk band and like i'm listening to a punk band i was just like oh they're like a rock band the, the Ramones yeah the Ramones so it's like yeah so and it was that Ramones Mania album that was the one that my brother got yeah. um, I think it was a CD one of his first CDs that I think he got um, I think that one came out in 88 or 89 um, but I mean that that one I still listen to that album to this day it's still like one of those the most influenced but so, I, so I would probably say around fourth or fifth grade is when I started getting to, like I started listening to some type of punk bands. Was your was your older brother really a gateway for a lot of that? Because oh, the yeah. one thing I definitely yeah. the one thing I definitely noticed I'm like wow there's a lot of like there's a lot of hardcore on this list. <laughs> yeah, I mean he um, it was him and his and his buddy from high school that that. He had he we had like this one tape that I would just listen to, and my mom I think at some point 
took the tape away because <laughs> because <laughs> I don't know. I, I still, to this day, I can't figure out what band it was, but it was like, it was really filthy kind of, it wasn't guar or anything, but it was like some type of lyrics that was like very sexual. And my mom heard okay. just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and, and I'm like, I don't know. And she like ended up taking the tape away. And then future tapes, I ended up like just not including that band. But I don't, I have to this day, I don't know what band it is. Um, but I remember like there was one band, um, Day Glow Abortions, and maybe it was them. Yeah. Um, they, they're a Canadian band. They had to kill the, kill the, it was kill the hosers. But for the longest time, I thought that the band, uh, the song was called kill the, uh, kill the posers. Cause I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know what a hoser was like at the time. So I was like, and I didn't know they were Canadian, but it was like, it's the joys of the internet of like in the late nineties of looking all this stuff up. I'm like, Oh, it's kill the hosers. It's like, that was a song I used to listen to all the time. And then like Murphy's law, uh, sit home and rot. Like that's like the only song I really like listen to Murphy's law. But, um, so when I actually saw Murphy's law, like, uh, like six or seven years ago, I was like, man, why didn't they play that song? <laughs> the, one, the one song I liked. Um, I mean like other songs of theirs, but yeah, it was like so a lot like, of, it was, it was a lot of hardcore eighties. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was just like, that's what he, my older brother Jason listened to. So what did, when you started getting into like kind of your stuff, where did, uh, you know, where did you start? Like, where were your like first influences that were like Brian centric? I, I don't know. It's like all the ones that I listed. I'm mean, like, I was ones that like, I think the one band that I listed as number one was the dead Kennedys. I'm like, that was the one yeah. that's like defined of, cause I, my, my older brother and I were both, we were just very into doing politics and political punk kind of thing. And right, mm -hmm. right at that time, I think it was the Clinton era, uh, you know, or maybe before that was Bush. I was like, I was in our class. I would do political cartoons and, to do all that kind of stuff. So I was right at around the right age of like getting into politics and doing political cartoons. So I think that's probably why Dead Kennedys were just like the Brian band for me. Um, nice. What about you? Um, I mean, to me, a lot of it like always comes down to the descendants. I mean, I remember um, like 1996, I remember being this like really super defining year for me in music. And, you know, they were like, they were like one of those bands I got into that time. It was pretty amazing. Cause like everything sucks had just come out. So they had this like brand new album that was amazing. And then just like going back, they had this like crazy history of all these records and all these different members and, you know, this, all the songs are just amazing. I mean, yeah. even to this day, like, you know, that's still their best. They're, album. you know, oh, totally. And, and there's, you know, there's totally bands that, you know, we listened to when we were younger and we're like, yeah, maybe not so much now, but like the descendants, like I still get that same feeling from when I was 16 and started listening to them to like now. And, you know, I got to see them last the last two years, actually, I got to see them live. And then, you know, even from there too, getting into the offshoots, like I, I got to see all like three or four times when they were kind of heavy in the late nineties. But you know, that, that record, that band, just like who they were, like 
the individuality of it all. Like, it's like, Hey, you don't need it. It was so punk rock without being like this overly like mohawked, like kind of cartoonish punk rock because it was like, we are who we are. Like I'm a super nerdy dude. Who's into science. You know, you have this drummer who's like played in black flag, but is also this amazing like songwriter. And you know, the whole thing, like best friends since they were like younger and the whole thing just like, it, it was like the everything around that. And, you know, I mean, there's not one of their albums like that. I don't like, I mean, it's everything sucks to me still is like, you know, it has such a, such a fond, fond place in my heart and like just front to back. I mean, there's not one bad song. There's, you know, some of the best songs they ever had were on yeah. that record too. Like, you know, I, I'm the one, um, uh, thank you. Uh, when I, I get have old. a fondness for the songs. That exactly. One I like. that one I Sick- like. Absolutely. So like they were, that was, that was a real, real big one for me. I mean, you, you, you mentioned that, I mean, that was, that was the album that I got into the descendants in 96. And I think it was going back to MTV. I think it was 120 minutes when their music video came on. And I think I was taping it for probably some Scott the tape some Scott and that came on. I'm like, who is this band? I'm like, mm-hmm. they sound good. Like them in the queers when they did the uh, punk rock girls. So I was like the scene, those guys. Girls, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, and then going back to Warp tour for, the second year of going to Warp Tour at Asbury Park in 97, it was Descendants playing. And then I was trying to get over to go see them. And I was stuck seeing, stuck in quotations, seeing Social D, which I didn't like. I didn't, I didn't really like them at the time. And, it, and then I was so like, oh, do I, do I wait here to see the Boston's play or do I sit here and sit through social social d or because it, it was like it was like a mile down the road so you couldn't like get to see the descendants at, at the time i wanted so it was like i didn't see the descendants until like 2000 something when they like reunited it back no it was like it must have been like 2008 something like around that time that was the first time i saw the descendants yeah i didn't get to see them till much later. I mean, I was in high school when that record came out and, you know, they came to DC twice and I missed both of the shows and it was like the biggest bum out because after that, like the guy started doing all again. And that's why I saw, saw all so many times cause yeah, I was in like late high school college. Um, but I didn't get to see them till a few years ago either. And it was just like, it seemed like the it was this a real, it was a religious experience for me. It was like this is my favorite band of all time. I finally get to see them. Um, I will it, whenever they come around. If I'm ever around, I will absolutely go see them over and over again. Yeah, and I think the first time that I did see them, I it was one of those one of those incidents where I wasn't on the guest list and, <laughs> and then another photographer friend who was friends with H2O. He's like, here, I'm going to go hang out with Toby backstage. You can have my photo pass to go take pictures of the descendants. I'm like, oh man, I'll thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I, so my- that's, I was at the Roseland ballroom in New York city, which yeah. is no longer, no longer. And I think it's, I don't know what the hell it is. It's a big giant hole. I think now, the uh the first time i went to see them i actually drove to detroit to go see them because i wasn't sure if they were going to come to cleveland and it was pretty amazing um because 
the band that opened up for them, uh, this band Radkey played first, but yeah, then the band fun, that played yeah. right before them, yeah, was the Suicide Machines. And like, it was just like Suicide Machines and the Descendants. It was like, okay, like we can, I can die happy. Like this is, this is amazing. And, and I've seen the Suicide Machines so many times over the years, I but I'm going to see him, you know, even like, <laughs> Nice. Even even Jay from the Suicide Machines was like, all right, we're going to get up here and get off as quickly as we can, because all I want to do is see the Descendants. And it's like, you know, when there's so much love for that band from the other bands and, you know, I'm a huge fan of Jay and the Suicide Machines, like and for him to say that on stage, it was just like, yeah, like this is this is amazing. I think that was the same tour because I remember seeing Suicide Machines with descendants and uh i think it was descendants h2o and yeah and suicide machines mm-hmm. yeah i don't think radkey but radkey i didn't see until they opened up with rise against and i was like who the fuck's this band you guys are awesome <laughs> and like, <laughs> totally, they sound like they sound like the misfits too so it was, yeah um yeah so okay so going so what are what's some other bands that were very influential to you? So that, uh, you, I'm going to bring them up. I'll bring them up second because you mentioned them. But that that same year, 96, um, Social D put out White Light, White Heat, White Trash. Yeah. And like I immediately like just there's a something about that record that clicked with me and like I became a huge social D fan and it was the same thing with the descendants. I started going back and getting the self-titled, um, you know, got, uh, some are between somewhere between heaven and hell, like, and, you know, have followed them ever since. And, um, it was, you know, that between those two bands as well, totally like I just started falling in love with like, early eighties, like LA hardcore and punk, like, you know, X, the circle jerks, the remote, another remote, sorry, the germs, um, you know, all of those, all of those bands like were just amazing. Yeah. Circle jerks were one of my definitely, uh, yeah. Ones up there. Yeah. So like, yeah, you know, it was, it was a comeback record for social D too. And it was, you know, the, the funniest thing about that, too, is that both the Descendants and Social D after those records, I feel like took some time off. And then they both released records like I feel like eight years later, like the same year again. So there's just this weird serendipitous thing with like those things happening and the bands like I've gotten into. And um, yeah, I mean, that's a that was another huge, huge one for me. Like, like if I'm putting up like the pillars of the bands that got me into punk rock, like they're definitely right there. Yeah, it's I mean, going back, I'm like, I, I made the stupid mistake of just not listening to some of these bands until later on. And it's I don't know what it was. I think it was because I was into the political street punk kind of stuff or like the mm-hmm. hardcore kind of stuff and not so much the epitaph or fat wreck stuff. My friend Paul, like listened to everything fat wreck, like every single album was like, Oh God is like, like I, it, it took me so many years to listen to no effects. Cause it was just so fucking whiny. And it's just like, I, I think it was, <laughs> it was, I think it was, um, their TV series, the backstage, uh, passport show that made me kind of like open up and like, like their music and like of what kind of, band they are and how they're just goofballs and yeah like something like that but 
yeah, it's like I, it's a lot of these bands. I were I was like a late a late bloomer, I guess, when it comes to No Effects and Epitaph and even Pennywise. I mean, Pennywise, I think Pennywise were one of the first, I think, Epitaph kind of bands. Uh, besides, I guess, Bad Religion. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like there's just a lot of fat bands. I don't think I really got into until late, much like late nineties. Yeah, I mean it's crazy to like we back then there was just this like treasure trove of everything. So it was crazy how like you know you could get like super specific, but also have like fifty bands of that like super specific specificness that you could listen to. Like honestly, um, like from the you you brought a fat wreck. I didn't. I mean. I, I like to know effects, but you know, the other bands on the label, like I like to know use for a name, but a lot of the other ones just kind of blew by me. Came, I did the same thing, came back to them later, but yeah. you know, I was definitely, uh, you know, my, my tastes of, of punk bands were definitely idiosyncratic. Um, when you listen to like, you know, descendants of social D both Southern Cal punk rock, but two totally different bands. I mean, it's uh and um you know it, it was great that there was all of this stuff out there that we could listen to and it didn't have to be like you know just three bands and that was it yeah i mean a way to f- there was a few ways to find out bands back then it was either through friends or older brothers or looking at the liner notes of the, who the other bands thanked or seeing what other you know, when they had like, I think alternate tentacles had like their catalog or like you would look up other yeah, bands yeah. and like, Oh, Jello's played with DOA. Let's, let's check out that. And you know, that's like the way you would find other bands. So it was like kids just don't that are growing up now just don't realize how hard it was back then. And it was even probably no. even tough, 10 times tougher before us too. And you know, you had to go, to a record store and look, I, I I've done that plenty of times too, towards the, the tail end of records, record stores of buying albums. I'm like, I don't, this sucks. And I'm like, I'm thinking this is a punk album and it's not, and they, they got to return it. And <laughs> I was like, it was, I, I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's, it was tough. It was definitely tough. I mean, it was, you know, so like that being said, you know, one, of, one of the things I had written down was like, you know, I just ingested so many different comps at this time, like, you know, the Punkarama comps, the, you know, there were so many ska compilations that right. were out comps there. The other thing. Yeah. And it was like, and it was, it was great because it's like, generally they were like, a, they were a lot cheaper. I mean, they were anywhere from like two to like maybe $6. They're packed with bands. And then it was like, okay, like, you know, this is my, like, you know, this is my taster and who do I, who am I going to, you know, invest in? Because, you know, we were all kids and CDs were, I mean, CDs were not cheap. I mean, even if you went to a used store and could get stuff for like, you know, seven, eight bucks, it was still like, it you adds know, up, believe me. <laughs> abs- absolutely. I mean, I think back to all the money I've spent over the years on, you know, CDs and, um, but that was the great thing about those compilations. It was, yeah. you know, um, you know, like a lot of the ska compilations. I mean, like one that was like very near and dear to my heart because I grew up there was there was a DC ska comp and like mm. uh, the bands on it were like the Pie Tasters were on it, uh, the Skunks were on it, Checkered Cabs, Checkered Cabs right? Um, yeah. 
uh, Decepticons. Um, I, remember the, I remember them. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and then like this band, the instigators who I really like too. And it was just, it was great because it's like, okay, like here's all these bands that, and some of these bands did not have full links out, but it's like, Oh, I have this little piece. And it's like, yeah, I'm a huge, you know, huge fan of the checkered cabs. I only have this one song, but like, it's the best song ever. And, um, I mean, that was a big, big thing, you know, in getting into, you know, all of these genres was, uh, was that piece of it. Yeah. I mean, that's how essentially how I got into ska was I started out with punk for years and then my dad got Bob Marley, uh, legend at, at a garage Mm -hmm. sale. So then that kind of like, it's inevitable that I'm going to be listening to ska after that, after having punk and then reggae. And then Jimmy Cliff was like in club paradise. So then I'm getting like club paradise music and with Robin Williams. And, and then, so one of my first, the, the compilation album that I still think is one of the best ska compilations is ska, the third wave compilation It had toast. Totally. So Mephiscopheles toasters, uh, mustard plug, Emory three thirty, scofflaws, uh, pie tasters. Yeah. A bunch of other people. Um, but that was, and then my friend, my, my friend also, I think the year before that, it was like the Boston's man, the Boston's, he was the guy that always had to be first, you know, that's like, I like they're, <laughs> they're my band, they're my band. And, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's, it's like the Boston's, uh, I think more no- noises and don't know how to party. And then for my, many people don't know this, that for my, our senior year in high school, there was the battle of the bands and we did the Boston's, uh, some, nice. someday, I suppose I didn't, I, I didn't play anything. I tried to play the drums. I'm not a, didn't really do good, good enough job. Uh, <laughs> so, so we ended up, I ended up being like a Boston and I'm just dancing on the stage. There's footage of it somewhere. <laughs> I, I'm trying nice. to burn the tape. But we ended up we ended up like stuffing the ballots and winning winning the battle of the bands, <laughs> and we had, we ended up having like all the kids that were like in in band, and then we had the the music teacher ended up being the drummer because I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it's just and my and my friend was like trying and my friend Rob who uh, Robert who's he ended up being in, in like a hardcore band or something afterwards but he was trying to do like rapping of someday i suppose and it was just so bad and everyone was just so out of tune it's like one of those <laughs> those footage that's like yeah please never show this to anybody <laughs> and like and, yeah, this, it, and like i didn't know how to skank and i was like, <laughs> I, was like I was kind of doing like the running man almost it's 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 definitely, awesome. definitely blackmail video but yeah, that was my oh, early totally. early stages of ska. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I feel like for for so many people, like the Boston's were that touchstone, and even yeah. like whether it was the people who got into them with like the impression that I get, or before, like I got into them, I actually knew who the Boston's were before I knew what ska was, and like I remember like them, like they played Lollapalooza. I feel like in like 95 or something like that. Yeah. But then they, that summer they were also in clueless and it's like, who's that band? They're awesome. And like, you know, I got, you know, a couple of their EPs. I got the, where'd you go EP and the, um, Scott core, the devil and more, um, which was awesome too. Cause I had yeah. like a minor threat song on it, a Bob Marley song. And like, you know, 
for like this small period of time of maybe like a year and a half, it, 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 I have that same thing that your friend had where it's like, yeah, this is this is my band. I'm, I'm the coolest. You guys don't know what's going on. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't just the Boston's. I mean, they were definitely a, a part of it and they were definitely like, and I don't even think he knew what Scott was. He's just like, this is one of these bands that were all wearing plaid <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is my band. And then yeah. he started wearing plaid everywhere and and then we all started wearing plaid. I mean, I wore plaid back in the grunge days too, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Easy transition. Yeah. Um, but besides besides the Boston's and the Ska the Third Wave, it was also college radio had a big part to do with things too. If, if they, um, Jesse from Skavuvi, he, he went to Vassar College, so I would listen to his radio show. And I tapes I I used to tape all the songs that I used to like, so I'm like I got into a lot of old, old Jamaican ska and two tone and that kind of stuff yeah. through through mm-hmm. college radio, and that's that was a big jumping off point of other bands besides, you know, Boone Records and just getting every yeah. every album from that. Um, I totally yeah. totally agree. I and I came through it as well to another weird way. So like. Like growing up, our family, like we didn't have cable, but my dad, um, my dad's an engineer and like he worked for NASA. So we had like a satellite and dish and like just to give <laughs> kind of, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, he, so like we had a satellite dish and it was not like a direct TV. Like this was like a full scale, like I'm pointing the dish toward a certain like relay satellite that is has this signal and like one of those so big fucking the crazy big kind of satellite. Oh, dishes? totally. Wow. Absolutely. <laughs> and the thing is, is that we got, so we didn't have cable, but we had like this smattering of channels and on, and literally like you had to point to a satellite and one of the satellites I pointed to had like had MTV two oh. and MTV MTV two was basically a college radio station at the time. Cause they played like all of the 120 minutes stuff or stuff. I would later find out was 120 minutes yeah. stuff, but then like a ton of other stuff too. Like, um, you know, they would block stuff out and you know, that's where I saw, you know, videos from the toasters. I saw let's go bowling. The first time I saw real big fish, I think it was like right around the time they turned out, turned the radio off and it was a video for everything sucks. Yeah. 96. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I like, like everyone else kind of got that exposure to real big fish with sellout, but I was like, no, 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 no. Like everything sucks is like, that's the video. That's the song. Like you have to check this one out. And, um, it's, uh, there was just so many of those, um, you know, ska bands, uh, you know, they would, they would play the old stuff too. They played the fishbone party at ground zero video, which is a trippy video. If anyone ever gets a chance to watch it, I would totally suggest like, it's been a while. Totally, yeah. totally get that on YouTube. It is like crazy in like the best way possible. Um, but, but there was all of these things. And then on the punk side, like they would, you know, they'd show Mr. T experience, the queers, new bomb Turks, um, uh, the descendants, uh, because you know, that, that was right around the time everything sucks came out. And, you know, it was, it was, it was really kind of awesome that there was, you know, and it, you know, we were talking a little earlier about MTV, but like M2 was like this totally formidable, awesome thing. And, you know, it definitely was great 
for a couple of years. Eventually, you know, it turned into, you know, MTV part two, um, not to the good MTV part two, yeah. the, um, the reality TV, et cetera. But, you know, there were so many, there were so many bands and it was at this awesome time in punk and ska where, you know, to, you know, if you th- like, let's go bowling had a music video. Like, yeah, I just like reflect on that. <laughs> I don't remember if I discovered them through MTV or if I think I got it. Um, I got it through early on one of the, they were one of the early ska albums. I was trying to make up all the list of all the early ska stuff because one of my brother's friends used to work for Caroline records distribution. And, oh yeah, totally. Um, he would talk about pirating music. He would take a bin of all the stuff of all this. This is how I got a lot of my first albums. He would take this, take the albums, put it in the bin, go in the back of the door, close the door, put the bin outside and then go get it later on. So he was pretty much like stealing, <laughs> stealing all these albums. I, I ended up getting fired at some point, but I ended up getting skank and pickles, like Mephiscopheles, toasters, uh, totally. Voodoo Glow Skulls, like all those. Things. I was, yeah. I was just gonna bring up Voodoo Glow Skulls. Like that was one of the video. They had a video for Fat Randy, yeah. and like, like when you are sixteen years old, the Voodoo Glow Skulls is everything you want out of a band. Like it is fast, it's crazy, it is like, you know, you can mosh to it, you yeah. can dance to it, like. I like voodoo glow skulls. Like as I was making the list of all this, I was like, I have to make sure we bring that them up. Yeah. They're definitely up there as far as the, just that, that first album is still just one of the best oh, things yeah. they've ever done. And it, definitely just like a crossover of type of ska and punk hardcore kind of blend. And it just reminded me of like Cheech and Chong, the up in smoke, like the, the band with the, you know, Eric in my ear. And it's like, well, there's like these <laughs> Latino guys playing with like horns and stuff. And it was just like, and then they end up having the, having the, the, the clip, clips from the movie and, and on that album too. Yeah. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah. I'm trying to think of like, and then I got into ska right around, it was like 90, 95, 96. And I think that's like Pez core with less than Jake. I think it was scanner key yep. compilation. I think they had my very own flag on it. And then that when lose that, that's when losing the streak came out and that's when like they blew up from that. And then that, and you know, at some point when we, when we went to college in 90, when the fuck did I go to college? 97. Um, we did, we started doing a college radio show and that's when we started getting like free music for, you know, from moon And so we got, that was like a lot of our means was getting it free through that way. And, and that's how I came to be, uh, how, how rejunk came to be, it was Scott punk and other junk back then, but that's how it came to yeah. be. It was like, like, I'm like, I want to do the zine stuff. Like, so I ended up doing like a, like a printout zine for maybe like one or two things that I would bring to like, sh- to ska shows down in the wetlands. And then I'm like, yeah, fuck mm-hmm. it. I'll just do this to, on Geo cities. <laughs> and that's how, hey, and that's, yeah. that, that's how it came to be at the site that, you know, just doing totally. it. Totally. We all started out with those great Geo city sites. Oh, I um, still, I still remember the URL of it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were talking about, you're talking about comps and less than Jake earlier. Another big one was that, um, the misfits of ska that, uh, Asian man put out with, um, 
Yeah, I mean, with I mean, the big band for me uh, coming out of that one was the Blue Meanies. Like, I loved that band. Like, you know, I, I th- liked them on the album on their album, but seeing them live, they were so loud. <laughs> <laughs> but I was always impressed by got, the drummer, though. I mean, like the drummer was as really. Oh yeah, uh, he was really good. That, but they just never I, I fit the- any of the bills that that they played, and that's I guess that's part of the reason why they stood out. No, I mean, I mean, tours that I saw them, the first time I saw them was opening up. They were the first band of four and it was them. Real Big Fish played second. Weston played played third and then Goldfinger was the headliner. And then like the next time I tour. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the next time I saw them, I think they opened up for Weston again. But um, and then I saw them later with like Flogging Molly. That's weird. And like, yeah. Like, the thing I love, I love that band and, um, you know, just everything. It, it was it was kind of a voodoo glow skull sort of thing as well for me with that. Like, it's so chaotic, but it's like I've listened back to it as an adult and like there's so much smart like musicianship happening there. The lyrics are just like the lyrics are just awesome with that. And um you know, full throttle, especially, which was their second record yeah. was like front to back. Like I remember, um, before one of their shows, when I lived in Pittsburgh, I ran into Billy, their lead singer and, you know, totally like the friendliest guy, um, to the point where like we were walking by each other, I introduced myself and then he stopped me again and said like, Hey, what song do you want to play? Uh, do you want to hear us play tonight? And it was like, I was like, I want to hear, I am the have not. And they played it. And like, it was, it was you know, one of those times where it's like, I will never forget, you know, that show, you know, the fact that he did that and was just an amazing person. And like, you know, yeah. that band is just like a all timer for me. Are they, I don't know. When was the last time like they like reunited? I feel like it's, it's been a while. They reunited on one of the riot fests. Um, cause they're from Chicago, yeah. but like after they broke up, like, I want to say like Billy, their lead singers in like Arkansas. And then um, one of the guys, the uh, (laughs) the uh, their keyboard player, I think, was in a band called Bitchy, which was this like I feel like he was in Bitchy, which was like kind of a, you know, like a hardcore punk like Chicago band. Um, But you know, every once in a while they get back together and it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, I will drive to Chicago to come see you and always, always miss it. Like, <laughs> I feel like their last album, I don't remember if it was anything as good as the first two albums. It was like something different, right? It was like, they kind of went, it was, it was kind of more like a keyboard driven kind of rock instead of ska. I think. It definitely was. Yeah. They got signed to a major for their last record. And like, um, it was, it was a little bit more, um, how do I say it? It's a little bit more streamlined. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as chaotic and all these different things happening. It was like more almost like straight ahead, but like no there's a couple songs that, <laughs> no, he's, um, he, I think he had the megaphone on one song. But like I remember like Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's was on a song and then like Wayne Kramer from the MC5 was on a song. So like that was that was cool as shit. But mm. um, it's uh, and there's some like 
there's some real great songs on that record. I mean, I still like full throttle for me. That second record is still like the one and even their live record that they did, like Wesley Willis introduced them and like Wesley Willis. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I remember my bro- my older brother getting that. I'm like, what the fuck is this? But I was like, it's like one of those <laughs> things where it's like you, I used to put that in, I used to have like a competition with somebody, somebody else I used to write for their uh, website or her name was Lauren, but we, we used to do coming up with the worst music, like compilations. So I would always put Wesley Willis on there. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll McDonald's. That's like one of those acts that could have only happened in the nineties. Yeah. Like there were so many of those like weird acts and bands and like, like Jello, I think discovered him, right? Uh, I think, think it was. So. I think he was an alternate record, uh, alternate uh, tentacles. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I was like going. I'm going back, like looking at my old my my punk list and stuff too. And, and I, there's a lot of there was a lot of bands I didn't include on my initial top ten, like the Exploited, Reagan Youth, Seven Seconds, DR, uh, DRI. Like all these like kind of like in between like crossover thrash metal bands. And I was like, cause yeah. I was like, a, I was a metalhead too. I listened to like Alice Cooper and Ozzy and, and like that kind of stuff. And then going from like suicidal tendencies and, and then, then kind of discovering just like, Oh, here's a Gnostic front at a record store and getting that. <laughs> I was totally. Like, oh. I'm like, wow. I'm I like, mean, the, yeah. The big one for me in like the DC area, I mean, like obviously like Minor Threat came from there and like Fugazi was beloved, but like in high school, pretty early on when I was in a punk, I start I got into the bad brains and like, you know, it was one of the that was one of those bands where like I was looking at my top ten and they were like literally if I take out the compilations, they're on the top ten, but like they're like right there at number or like 11 for me. Like it was just so those first two, um, the first uh, album and then the eye against eye, like, you know, was awesome. Like the song where like HR is like singing from a prison phone. I think it's sacred love. Like, you know, they like, if there's any band that I could go back in time and see them when they were at their peak, it's bad brains. Like, I just yeah, seeing I the hear footage those of them like, just like how fucking like mayhem their shows were like them and Minor Threat yeah see, like seeing them exactly. together would be like wow I would pay I would pay a lot of money for that but of course it'd probably be totally. totally fifteen dollars but <laughs> yeah I mean, totally um, totally I remember bad I think how I got into Bad Brains I think it was Skank and Pickle for their Green album in 1996 they covered Pay to Come oh and then yeah I'm like, totally I'm like, what band is this and then like. Again, then I'm like, wow, this band's really good. <laughs> that was like, surprisingly, I don't think that was my uh, a band my brother got into. It, I don't think he got into the bad uh, into Bad Brains until I think we kind of got into it together. When I, I'm like, oh, this check out this band. He's got kind of reggae and then they do hardcore punk. Yeah, and of course, like <laughs> Sex Sex Pistols, like kind of the same thing as like the Ramones where it's like you listen to them like oh they're kind of punk and whatever but it's not like oh I'm listening to a punk band kind of thing it's you know you don't get that mentality when you're a kid you don't care about like splitting genres and it's just like no. they're just that they're the Ramones yeah. well that was the thing about like like the kind of like if you will the holy trinity of punk bands like with the Ramones the Clash and Sex Pistols I was like Oh, the, the Ramones, the Clash and the Sex Pistols, like 
So like when, you know, I started getting really getting into punk, it was because of bands like the descendants and social distortion and like, um, you know, no effects for me was a big one, bad brains, suicide machines, because like those, and, and maybe it was generational, maybe it was just, you know, they felt more like weren't on the radio. This is underground sort of, sort of stuff going on. Yeah. Underground radio. That was, yeah, definitely like not even the college radio, but the, the ones that are like just going somewhere and just like, I, I think this music sounds okay. And like, it could go either way of being like really <laughs> like kind of music or it's just like certain like underground, like you can just get some static every once in a while. Yeah. I remember those days. It was like, we had to go drive in the car just to like pick up certain like stations in New York city. Cause we were in the suburbs of like an hour North of New York city. So sometimes we had to go in the car and drive somewhere to go listen to some music like that, to discover some, some bands. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It made it, it made it feel, and I totally know what you mean. I mean, like there was uh DC had a really good radio station, alternative station growing up. And like at night they would play like, I don't know, like I would consider, even though it was on the radio, it was definitely more underground stuff. So like whether it was local DC kind of punk stuff or like discord stuff, or even just like, you know, like, um, I remember the first time I heard the Boston's on the radio was at like one in the morning on this station. And I don't, there was something about it that just you, the fact that you kind of had to work for it. Like I remember like going back to the, like kind of the MTV two, the M two story. It was like, I would put a VHS tape in and hit record and just let it run for mm-hmm. like four hours to see what I could get. And like, you know, out of it, it'd be like, Oh, like there's a block of like five ska videos in a, in a row. That's awesome. Like, and you know, you just, and then like, you know, and then I would play the whole editing game where it's like, okay, I have the camcorder. I have the, you know, VCR, I'm going to splice this all together and make like almost like a mixtape um, of videos. And, you know, having to work that hard, like having to, you know, like you were saying the story about like driving around. I remember like getting certain radio signals at night and I could only get them at night. And a lot of them were like college and underground stuff. And it's, yeah, it's like people just don't know how hard it was. Like, and then Napster and stuff came and it's like, oh shit. And like, just download everything. (laughs) And then then you discover so much more. It's like, wow. I'm like, I never heard of this band. I never heard of this band. Never heard of this band. And it's like, it's a blessing and a, and a, you know, and a curse when it comes to file sharing. But I mean, I discovered so many bands. Hey, and I paid it forward. Totally. Yeah. And I paid it for buying people's merch. And, you know, I discovered the levelers from the UK from file sharing. And then, you know, I flew yeah. over to see them like three times over in England. I'm like, I paid my dues. <laughs> totally. Totally. I mean, it was one like, Napster, I was at the exact right like place and time for Napster because like I was in college, I had a T1 line, like it's like, like letter rip. And it's the same thing here. Like I remember, I remember like I found, I remember finding like pilfers bootlegs of like stuff that, you know, our 
I remember the the bootleg that we recorded at Coney Island High, High was the one that people kept re resharing of the popers, and it was like our bootleg nice. that that we did that we put out there. And like, oh, sorry, but I'm like, hey, at least it's documented. <laughs> totally. I mean, because there were songs like I remember, like uh, Chain Reaction and like Flicker that they right. yeah. obviously they recorded them, but it you know like I found them on. Um, you know, Napster. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's definitely Vinny and Cooley. Yeah. So this is like, cause there would be so much like misnaming of things as well. Yeah, that but was so annoying. Yeah. I, I mean, and, and, and totally, I mean, there was definitely, while it wasn't like necessarily found some of them foundational, there were definitely a lot of bands that I discovered and, you know, got to try out too. Cause it's like, Oh, well, I can't really afford this CD and I didn't like the song off this comp, but yeah. you know, this band's this band's pretty sweet. So like, I'm going to listen to this and I don't know. I think I feel like you and I and a lot of people probably listening to the podcast and everything are of this silk, but it was, we're definitely going to make sure we pay this forward. Like you said, like, yeah, you, I'm just not going to, I'm not just going to download this stuff and be like, you're on your own piece. Yeah. I got to go buy their shirts. Can I go buy their other past stuff or or even, or even going to buy, you know, the album that you got, you just probably to, to get a better version of it. Cause sometimes it was only like one twenty eight or something like that, uh, kilobytes or whatever, uh, for the file, yeah. for the file type. So, I mean, a lot of the times it was like shitty quality, but just that you got it and like, oh, this sounds good. Okay. Now I'm going to go buy the CD of it and make sure I have like a good copy of it. Um, but a lot of the times, like for, for, for my thinking of it was like, well, I can either go and just ask the band to send me a CD or I can just, oh, here it is. <laughs> I can just review right. it that way. So kind of in my, of, of my justification of, of file sharing over the years, it was kind of like, well, you know, I'm promoting the bands. Like, let me have this. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. And I'm, we get I'm, a, we get a pass. Yeah, we got to pass. Other people, you know, that's no, you definitely shouldn't have done that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you remember your first ska show, though? Um, So the first show that I went to that had like a ska punk band was a DC local show. And the band was called the Nut Rags. Um, But uh, they were guys from my they were guys from my high school. And it was one of those you know, band names that I'm sure they all to some degree regret today. But, um, but it was cool. I mean, it was like these kids like from my school doing that. The, the first show that I went to that was like a show show though, was that show. Um, it was the nine 30 club in DC and it was, uh, it was the blue meanies, real big fish, Weston Goldfinger show. And, um, and this is, you know, this was when, I mean, Real Big Fish what may have already really when I went to it, they had definitely released Turn the Radio Off, but it was like before they had, you know, really started hitting with radio or anything like that. And I originally went to specifically see them because, you know, I loved the song off of the uh, I love the song that I'd seen uh, on M2. Everything sucks. And it was like like this was going to be like my band. And, yeah. you know went there and spent way too much money on merch for like a, you know, it was like, honestly, it was probably like 20 bucks, but like I was 16 and it was like, this this 20 bucks is like, 
definitely I'm investing it into this band. That's my band. And, but yeah, that was the first, uh, West, uh, you're bringing up Weston. I'm like, it's bringing me back bad memories of like, I never liked them. So it's kind of like, they were uh-huh. always on ska shows and it's like, why? And it was always the time I was like, just completely bored during their sets. <laughs> I mean, I, maybe if I went back to listen to their music now, maybe I would enjoy it, but it was like, they were kind of like emo, right. Or some kind of in a way. Yeah. Like I like back when I was like 16 years old, definitely. I felt the, uh, I mean, I felt the same way. Like that show I was just talking about, like Wesson played right before Goldfinger and there was this like blue meanies, real big fish momentum. And it was like, they, they weren't listed on the show. The Goldfinger show it was only supposed to be those three bands, but I think they were from Philly. So they just came down to DC uh. and there was a, this weird, like what's going on? Like where's Goldfinger? Like, it being my first show and kind of confused. So it, um, you know, it was, uh, I definitely hear what you're saying with that. Yeah. My first, my first like ska show was perfect thyroid. I don't know if you know them or not. Yeah, okay. totally. Yeah. Cause they're from my area. So they're, they're from uh, like the Hudson Valley, Orange County, New York. Um, mm-hmm. so I saw like, they're like, they had, they were played like a free, kind of like outdoor kind of festival with some other bands. And, and so I got my first taste of like Scott seeing them and I'm like, what is that? And then, and, and then I saw the, then I saw the let's go bowling show with Chris Murray and who the hell Sergeant Skegnani, Conan Buddha. And that was like my first ska show. And it was just like seeing how everyone was dancing at the ska show at the ska show. I was like, wow, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> yeah. It was just like, and then seeing like skinheads walk up and I'm like, what the fuck kind of show am I going at? Right. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know. I thought there were like all the skinheads were Nazis. And oh was, yeah. That's totally when you're a kid going to shows for the first time and you're like, I don't know what a sharp is like, yeah. um, you know, cause I, there were definitely shows that I went to or like there was a, you know, cause I'd go see the Skoidats and Inspector seven a lot. And like, um, you know, the first time that happens, you're like, I'm not sure about this. What's, what's going on. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I think like, you know, the real big fish show is definitely one of my first ones, but I feel like the first time I saw the toasters, it was like almost a, you know, you know, and now you are knighted like, you know, Lord of ska sort of thing. It's, you know, um, you know, I got to see them in kind of that like sledge era lineup, um, with, you know, with Jack Ruby or with Cooley. Uh, it was, it was with Jack. It was after Cooley had left. Yeah, that was right. Uh, ninety six was ninety six was the first time, and then Cooley just yeah. left. I was like, "Fuck, man." <laughs> yeah, and so like, and yeah, it was you know one of those shows that was just like, okay, like you know, I'm in this. Like, this is you know definitely a scene that you know, you know, I'm still part of, but. Uh, you know, that was one that was definitely, definitely kind of put me over, you know, on the genre. Um, and you know, I would, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, the first time I saw the Pilfers was in, I think 98, I think they were opening for real big fish at the nine thirty club and, you know, just, you know, I, I don't think I can say enough amazing things about yeah, that band and their too. live show. Like, 
you know, even, you know, I saw them probably the most in the city of Pittsburgh. And even then I probably saw them like, like six or seven times. Um, and it's just like every single time was amazing. The band was amazing. You know, they're great people. Yeah. It's yeah. Still, still friends with them and, uh, doing, doing merch for them every once in a while. And <laughs> yeah, yes. but, it's, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's a great, that was a, you know, great show. Yeah. Seeing the pilfers for the first time was that like when I was telling Coolio, Mike, it was like mind boggling that like the, it was almost like a, like a religious experience. It was like, wow, these guys are so awesome. <laughs> And then it was, it yeah. was just something you hadn't heard before. And it was like, yeah, like we, like I definitely, this the is right, a new sound, but it's right familiar of everything that we liked, you know? Absolutely. Of, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, I remember kind of as I getting into like this, like second wave of bands that I like, you know, you get gotten to my first things, but I remember like the bands that were like completely mine were like, you know, Pilfers and Edna's Goldfish were definitely those two. Yeah. Um, you know, just, and I feel like too, even, you know, cause I used to be a, you know, even back in the day, read Scott Punk and other junk and just, you know, there was just such a great like scene around like those bands. And it seems it like those kind were of all these like, shows we went to was, was Edna's Goldfish or Pilfers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the the only other band that I would add to that, and it's not because I'm necessarily a gigantic fan of theirs, but for whatever reason, Catch Twenty Two played every single ska show mm. in Pittsburgh, despite being a band from New Jersey. Like, you name it, like they were they were on it. Yeah, and there were one band that I was like, I I liked I liked some songs. They weren't like the band for me, but I was like, I would definitely uh enjoy a few songs here and there of, of them um mm-hmm. not as much as everyone else that that like certainly like streetlight manifesto of how people like praise praise them still to this day <laughs> right um but i mean it's i mean it would would it would have been pretty cool to see them play with that big orchestra that they were doing like at radio city music hall i'm like how is this fucking band playing radio city music hall <laughs> <laughs> But I'm like, I don't know. I just, I, I never got it. I don't know. Other people did, but. Yeah. And it's not for lack of trying. I mean, like, you know, I feel like there's some of those bands where like you see them live and you're like, okay, I get it now. And like that one just never yeah, clicked for me. But on the flip side of a band that absolutely clicked for me was uh spring Jack, you know, oh, yeah. that was, they, you know, I saw them, I saw them so many times. I saw them with dance hall crashers. I saw them with uh, uh, pilfers and pie tasters. I think play, once they would play the pie tasters a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, pilfers, which they're playing uh, next week, I think, with them in Connecticut, like with the original lineup. With, oh wow! With, with, I think they're doing it. Was like it's like twenty years of uh, songs of suburbia. So I think they're yeah, like Jr's going to be playing there. I think um, and some of the other guys like names are um, losing right now, but. Whatever, yeah. But the original guys are gonna be there. <laughs> yeah, so, I've been in the um, hospital. It's like kind of, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> preoccupied. Yeah. yeah, just a little bit. Um, but no, that was another. It's just such great high energy, and um, 
Yeah, I mean, there was this, I remember there being one show in Pittsburgh that was like Pilfers, The Smooths, The Scofflaws, and I think it was Spring Hill Jack was on that as well. And mm. it was just one of those, you know, amazing bills that even in like 99, when stuff was kind of on the downtrend, it, you know, in terms of the popularity of the genre, like, if you were at that show, man, I mean, like, that was some incredible stuff. I mean, those bands were still on fire. They still had, you know, great lineups and and all of that. And I only sold the Smooths once, and I think they just they played last year with the Ballstones, like they reunited. And, but yeah, um, but they were one of those bands that like I wish I sold them. I wish I saw more of them. And I, I'm surprised they they didn't reunite for Supernova. That's gonna be happening in 2020. I feel like they're like the only band that's from that area that isn't gonna be playing playing right. there. But I think um, the saxophone player from doing some research. Uh, I think she's like a doctor or something now. And I oh, think in the Midwest somewhere. So I think it's kind of, uh, I think she's a bit busy to be playing in ska bands. Yeah, that's definitely one of those. Uh, it's definitely one of those bands that I was so happy, like living in the area that I got to see live. Um, they were fantastic. Um, I remember talking to their guitar player a lot after some of their shows and just, mm. um, they had gone on tour, I guess, with no use for a name. And there was just such a, such a love that they had had for that band taking them out and everything. Well, yeah, I guess they did. I guess they did tour a bunch, but cause they were inside one dummy, but totally. Was, yeah, I, I only saw them on Warped Tour though. Yeah, they were, well, and that's, and that's kind of why, because, um, there was this affiliation with side one dummy and the Warped Tour where, um, you know, they were one of the first bands. I still remember like, you know, with every side one release getting the catalog and it was like the smooths 22 jacks. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what the affiliation exactly was with the warp tour, but they definitely, um, had one and played those shows a lot. Mm. All right. Um, is there any other bands that we left off on the list that you want to talk about before we wrap this up? I, th- you know, we covered so many. I mean, I even know. the ones that, uh, that we didn't, like we talked about the Sue and side machines and how amazing they were. The boss tones. Um, obviously the yeah, there is and, but. the specials. The one I would be remiss to, um, leave off before we end, it would be operation Ivy. I mean, I don't know when I got you into them. It was probably like 95, 96, like around this when I just started That's, getting into stuff. Yeah. That's around the time, uh, it's probably like 96 for me. Um, that is, seems to be the band that like, honestly, like no matter what genre that people are into, whether it is ska, punk, hardcore, everyone just like circulates around that band. And they were just so influential. Like people who hate ska love that band. And, you know, they were, it's just such an influence and like, even, you know, I mean, Rancid's and Outcome the Wolves was a huge touchstone for me as yeah. well. Um, but, you know, Op Ivy, I mean, they just had everything. It was the political lyrics. It was the, you know, no pun intended, but the energy of the band. Um, the ska, you know, the ska that they blended so well. The knowledge with, that they know. had. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, my, my, I mean, my... I mean, Brian, Brian, you may want to take warning before I give this next point. <laughs> but... Um, the, I'm gonna uh, go down to Hoboken because I'm gonna go yell in your <laughs> ear. Yeah, yeah, go. <laughs> you should probably go on forever with uh, yeah. Operation Ivy. Um, but uh, but no, it was um, 
so incredible. I mean, that band and everything they did. My friend Chris was talking to me at, when we saw the Misfits. He's like, "Well, he's like, what, what, what would be another band that would play that you think that would be able to play at MSG?" And then I was thinking, I'm like, "Well, this is like after the fact. I'm like Operation Ivy would they would totally sell that thing out in two seconds if they played." Oh, totally. But I mean, there's there's like there's only two bands. I think at this point, I mean, people can say the Smiths, but, you know, yeah. Morrissey plays a lot of Smith songs. But I feel like the two bands that haven't gotten back together, and I don't know if they ever really will, are Operation Ivy and Minor Threat. Um, and Minor Threat, I think, you know, they're they're not going to do it. I mean, just kind of knowing everything about the band and the way kind of Discord and Ian run. But yeah, I still hold out hope that one year at like punk rock bowling or at the fest or at riot fest that it's going to be like, you don't want to miss this, but like, yeah, I mean, they could play like, they could literally just play one song yeah, and I'd be like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> or even like Nick Jones and like some guys doing like the clash doing just like, exactly even like having tim armstrong play with like the with the clash or something that would be like perfect i think absolutely as, as you can get i mean with with joe strummer being dead but like something like that i i can see happening it's like money talks <laughs> it's like you didn't i mean that's you, didn't, the, you didn't think misfits were gonna be i didn't think misfits were gonna be playing oh, with, with dancing and no, it, was, there was, it was great i don't know yeah, and I mean, I, I didn't get to go to any of the shows, but everything I heard from, like, everyone about... I mean, the, the two that I would have thought never would have happened would have been them and Jawbreaker, and then Jawbreaker got back together, and everyone, like, collectively lost their minds, and then, you know, the Misfits just... I mean, Madison Square Garden's no joke. <laughs> yeah, you're on the clock, Operation Ivy. It's gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2020, it's gonna happen. You're our lone, ha- you're our lone holdout. We gotta get you in yeah. there. Yeah. But all right, I think we're going to wrap things up here. I got to go take a pee. So <laughs> <laughs> sounds good. But uh, yeah, this is this is fun. I, I mean, I could obviously talk about this for like another hour and a half, but uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but let's 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 chat some more uh, in, in the future yeah. and stuff. This is yeah, great. we'll come up with some ideas and uh, bounce yeah. them off each other. Yeah, I'm going to have plenty of plenty of podcasts i'm gonna need to do since i'm gonna be stranded at home since i can't drive uh yeah but that's that's horrible yeah for the next couple months but yeah medical medical reasons yeah yeah good old good old being old yay i mean you have a once Disney Plus works out their streaming problems, you got uh, a bevy of content. Well, I was going to watch that tonight, but I'm like, ah, I got a podcast. So I'll watch it tomorrow morning. I was <laughs> I was watching some of the animated shorts of Disney Plus, but just not oh, nice. The Mandalorian yet. Everyone's like talking about it. I'm like, oh, you fuckers better not spoil it for me. That's like <laughs> I was I'm hoping like that they that why they're just releasing like one episode a week. So I don't get spoiled from all these sites that are like, we watched everything already. And it's like, Fuck right. You. <laughs> right. No, I think that's going to be the, I won't spoil anything. I did watch the first episode yeah, yeah. before. This. It, it's definitely it. Uh, what I'll say about this is it definitely has a cool vibe to it. I mean, it is like, it definitely looks like it. it definitely, yeah. yeah. It has this Western vibe, but like it's, it's just a really, really, you know, they they captured the field perfectly. Nice, and plus, obviously, I gotta watch Jeff Goldblum's series and. Oh yeah, obviously. 
Yes, 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 I saw yes, previews yes. for that, and I'm like, this is amazing. I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's like three junks. It's like he's like our unofficial mascot. Totally. <laughs> I don't even know who started that. I think Adam started that, but I just kind of went along with it. Yeah. And he's actually playing, I think he's playing today or tomorrow in the city, and I still haven't seen him live play one of his jazz stuff. I'm like, man, I got to get there and take, take oh, some t- pictures of him. Totally. But, all right. Till next time, all right, man. man. All right. Take All right, have a good one. All right, you too. Bye-bye.